to me, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I will meditate therein day and night. I will observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then my way shall be prosperous, and then I will have good success. Tell somebody I'm getting ready to be blessed again. You may take your seats. The people were given Hebrews 11, I'm sorry, Hebrews 7, 11 through 14. The people were given the law concerning the system of priests from the tribe of Levi, but they could not be made perfect through that system. So there's a need for another priest to come, a priest like Melchizedek, not Aaron. And when a different kind of priest comes, the law must be changed too. We're saying these things about Christ who belonged to a different tribe. No one from that tribe ever served as a priest at the altar. It is clear that our Lord came from the tribe of Judah. And Moses said nothing about priests belong, belonging to that tribe. Jesus is like Melchizedek. Now, as we're looking at the, this particular text, our theme for the year is a revolution a paradigm that is also the title of this particular message, a revolution, a paradigm. We begin last week with this lesson last week, and I trust that <coughs> you were blessed by it and that you're holding tightly to the message and not letting it slip. We're going to continue on today because what I really want to do is I want to get into this lesson and deal with this subject matter that we're really dealing with, a revolution, a paradigm purpose of our lesson really is to, um, for us to, to encourage us to uh, embrace imminent change, to embrace imminent change. I really want to encourage you to embrace imminent change. That just simply means that change, change is going to happen whether you and I like it or not. Whether we are in agreement of change or not, change is going to happen. Uh, you can rebuke change. You can do a lot of things with it. But I'm going to tell you, your rebuker is not going to work. Change is going to happen. It has happened. You could not stop yourself from growing. You could have looked and confessed, and not, not confessed, but you could have spoken and declared to your feet when it was a size three that you're not going to grow <coughs> and become a size four. I declare and I decree I will wear a size three for the rest of my life. And now you're at a ten. Now, because change is imminent. Hello? Change is imminent. It's imminent until there is perfect perfection that comes. So change will continue to happen. Amen? <coughs> change is not a bad thing as many would think it to be. Change is a good thing. And as we're talking about a revolution... Uh, talking about a revolution, a paradigm, what I'm really speaking of is change. Are you all here? Amen. I remember we used to have eight-track tape. How many of y'all remember eight-track? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago. So y'all stop acting like it's so, so prehistoric. Amen. It wasn't during the days of the dinosaurs. Amen. It wasn't during the days of the dinosaurs. Amen. If I had low self-esteem, I think you'd be talking about me. When I say eight <laughs> Y'all remember the days of the 8-track. Well, the 8-track is obsolete now. 
Amen. It went from the eight track. And y'all remember the days of the, of the vinyl, right? The records, right? They had the albums and they had the 45s. Amen. Amen. I think my mother still have the 45s. Amen. The 45s. I'll never forget it. My mom used to like to listen to Brooke Benton. Some of y'all may not know about Brooke Benton, but you heard a year up in the front row here. You can find a year in certain spots, you know what I mean? Say, Brooke Benton, amen. And you said, the ice man cometh. And you say, Jerry Butler, you know, so people understand. Uh-huh. I know I haven't reached you yet. Amen. The ice man cometh. Jerry Butler. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, let me bring it up a little bit. Some of y'all remember the stylistics. All right, come on back, come on back, come on back, come on back. I bet you, by golly, wow, come on back. Come on back, come on back. Amen. There was the, day, the days of days of vinyl was here. Amen. Then no longer do we have records anymore. Then they had the cassettes came out. Amen. Cassettes. And when cassettes came, I thought I was going to lose it. I wasn't sure what to do with cassettes. I was against cassettes. I was against cassettes. I was. Amen. Then couldn't live without the cassettes after a while. Amen. And then the CDs came out. I, wouldn't, I didn't know what we were going to do when CDs started in the church. When we started, I wasn't sure how we were going to make it because we just got good with the, eight, with the cassettes. Amen. And then we had, you know, we, we had to release the cassettes and now with the CDs. And pretty soon we'll be leaving the CDs. In fact, they're already on the way out, on the way out in the MP3s and all of those. Yes. Amen. Amen. We have, there was no such thing as the information highway or the internet. Amen. It was by snail, uh, pony, express, by mail. Amen. Word of mouth. But now we have all kinds of means of getting information by way of the Internet. All kind of information. YouTube, everything. You can find out almost anything you need to find out by going online. Amen. <coughs> anything. Because things are changing. Amen. Things are changing. And uh, we just have to get with the change. But the thing about the change is also connected to what we're talking about, a revolution, which means a change, not just a change, but a radical change. I also have a paradigm. And you have to have, understand paradigm because paradigms deal with standards, standards and models and patterns. And the thing that I did not add to paradigm was the word shift because we're used to hearing paradigm shift as if there's a changing of a standard or a pattern. Now, I left it as a paradigm without the shift because I want to make sure that clearly we understand that there are some things that must remain the same. Okay? There are some things that must remain the same. I'm not talking about tradition, but I'm talking about those things that must remain the same. Things such as the Word of God. Are you here? The Word of God will never change. The Word, the truth. Not a truth, the truth. A paradigm. We're talk, talking about that as our standard, as our pattern. Character. Yeah, those are the things that we that will not change. Character, character, integrity. Those things will remain. Love remains, remains. And these things that I've mentioned, the word, uh, truth, character, integrity, love, these are the standards that will remain, that will that categorizes uh, this revolution. Not categorize, but characterize this revolution. 
So love will characterize the revolution that we're talking about. Amen. Character, love, integrity, truth, the word. Those are the standards. Those are the patterns, the things that will remain the same. So as we're dealing with a revolution, the rad a radical change, we're really referring to how we have to change. That there are old systems that are not working anymore that we have to change from. Amen. We have to change from the old systems that are not working anymore, that are outdated, uh, that, that don't work anymore. And now we have to now embrace change, a new way of doing things. Hello. New way of doing things, but it's still characterized by the foundation of the word of God. You all here? Okay. Okay. There are machines and, and even cars now where they don't need a key to turn it on. Amen. There's some cars you get in the car, if you're not ready for change, that car will sit there and you will miss your appointment. Because you will look at it and try to figure out, now I know this is a car, and cars have keys. Keys go into the ignition. The ignition helps you to turn, but ain't no, you know, you're trying to find it. Okay. There's a button there. I'm, no, okay, press, I'm pressing the button. The car still ain't going. Well, because you have to have the breakdown while you're pressing the button. Everybody say change. A revolution took place in the automobile industry. Hallelujah. And may I declare to you that a change is taking place in the kingdom of God. Now. This holy revolution is going to change some old belief systems based upon, based on errors and fables. There are some things that, unfortunately, the church is still living by because we've allowed the church to embrace these things. There are old fables, old fables that believers are still holding on to, taking salt and throwing it over your <coughs> shoulder. For good luck. Don't walk under a ladder. Black cat. Black eyed peas. See, the, some of the other stuff was kind of far away, but that doesn't hit home. <laughs> On New Year. <laughs> okay. Got to start my year off right. Got to have my black... <laughs> I'm a child, didn't you know? The Lord is in that. And then try to find scripture. But this holy revolution is going to tear all that stuff up. I'm not saying you can't eat black eyed peas on New Year's. But don't have that as part of your belief system because it's going to tear it up. This holy revolution is going to challenge many traditions of our foreparents and former religious leaders. <clears throat> this revolution will cause some religious dogmas. Lord have mercy. Did I say that? This revolution will cause some religious dogmas to yield to the truth of the living word of God and will either have to stand down or redefine itself 
and its motivation. This revolution. This revolution. I want to address what we started to address, what I started to address last week, and that is the fear factor, because that's really what I want to go get to, because many people are afraid of change. Because we've gotten to a place of a comfort, and once we hit a comfort zone, we like that comfort zone because we know how things work there. Even if things are not good in our life, at least we know what's going to happen. At least, at least we, ha we have an idea that we're going to run out of money at a certain time during the month, and we know what to do the balance of the month. I ain't messing with you, but I'm messing with you. Okay? Because we, can, because we can get so used to a system, and we know how it works, and so we will stay in that system. Even though it doesn't yield what we really desire, at least we know how it's going to happen. At least we know how it's going to turn. New things are scary for some people. Because they cannot control the outcome. They're told what the outcome will be, but because our minds, our little minds can't wrap ourselves around the outcome because we've not had any experience with it, we're afraid of it. New things will challenge us to look deeper inside and cause us to look at certain things that we have boxed in very neatly that we don't deal with. There's some things we've decided we're going to take to the grave. There's some beliefs that, uh, that God gave this certain thing to me. And since God gave me this affliction, you know what I mean? I'm going to go ahead and build around. And never, never going after it. Y'all here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fear factor, fear of change. People, people like, uh, like in the movie that I mentioned to you, the man committed suicide because he wasn't used to change. I want to take that from you and free you today. Fear has a way, I ended by saying, fear has a way of dominating your progress. It will make you go in every direction but forward. Fear is a spirit. Tell your neighbor, fear, fear is a spirit. Okay. Fear is a spirit that takes on many shapes and forms. I need you now to put on your listening ears. I, 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 need, you, I need your attention through here. If you want to take notes, take notes, but this is serious where I'm getting ready to go right now. Okay. Fear, as I said, is a spirit that takes on many shapes and forms. Watch this now. My negative thoughts creates a form for fear to live in. Okay. Whatever it is that I'm thinking of that is negative, it creates a shape or a form, oh my God, for fear to live in. Fear has nothing to do. It is unemployed. It is sitting idle until I give it something to live in. It's my negative thought that creates a form, a body, if you will, for it to live in. Y'all got to hear me. As a man thinks, so is he. Okay. 
So my negative thoughts creates a form for fear to live in. Watch this. And Satan blows fear into that form or that body to give it life. Watch this. You see, Satan mimics the creative process of God. Yeah. He mimics the creative process of God. In Genesis 2 and 7, watch how God operates. After he had, after he had reached and scooped from the ground and made man, formed man out of the dust of the ground, the Bible says that God breathed. Or blew into his nostrils the breath, the pneuma of life, and that form, that man became a living nephesh, a living, a living soul, a living being. Satan, Satan mimics God's creative process. How do you say that, Hodge? I say that because once you and I create the form through our negative thoughts. We have created now a form, a body for Satan to into. And when Satan blows into that form from that negative shape that we have just formed, he blows fear. Because fear is a spirit. He blows into that form. The life of fear. Hmm. Fear, as I said, is a spirit of and from Satan and is blown into the nostrils of the form that the negative thoughts have created. Yeah. Yeah. Fear has nothing to do till you give it a form. Satan says, thank you. And he blows into that form. And that form takes on the life of the giver of it. And it starts to move and react and, and causes, you, causes fear to have a life inside of that form that you created. And when we create this form, it is connected to us. It is return, it, it goes, Lord have mercy, it goes to the creator. If I say it and create it, I have negative thoughts, I release them, I give it life, Satan blows fear into it. Now, here it is now. I'm walking around with fear in me. And fear will obey whoever it came from. <clears throat> I gave it a form, but Satan gave it life. So now it will obey. So now when I'm walking around, now this is an enemy to a believer. You've got, you got, you got to follow me here. Don't, don't, don't leave me. This is an enemy to a believer. Fear really has no place in the life of a believer. Fear is really a lie. I'm not there yet. I'm ahead of myself. I haven't got ahead of myself. Fear is a lie. 
that we have taken. Okay, okay, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there. Travel, 1 John chapter 4. Are y'all still here in the bus with me? 1 John chapter 4. Lord, help me through here. Verse 17. So much of it, but. Seventeen. Let me start at sixteen. I really need to start at one, but let me start at sixteen. First John chapter four says, "And we know, and we have known, and believed the love that God hath to us." Listen to that. And we have known and believed the love that God hath for us, to us rather. God is, come on, love, and He that dwelleth lives, makes his habitation in love, dwelleth or lives in God. In other words, you cannot separate God from love. God is love. Okay. If I dwell in love, I also simultaneously, watch this, live in God, dwell in God, and God in him. Y'all see that? Okay. Keep that. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. If I, look, look up real quick. It says, so are we in this world. Because he is, so are we in this world. If I have fear in me, then so am I of the enemy. Because fear says, we'll get to it, fear says that God's love is not perfected in me. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. Uh, Okay. Verse 18, there is no, come on, fear. Where? Where's God? God dwells in me. If he dwells in me, right, then I dwell in him. God is love. I have love. So I have God. Okay, okay. So if I have love and I have God, I don't have There is no fear in God because God is love. Okay? I'm not, I'm not tearing the word up here. There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast, throws it out. Cast it out fear because fear hath. How can God be who is love? Live in me and I be tormented. Torment and love or God in me cannot exist. They cannot coexist. I'm being technical, but I'm doing it on purpose. Fear has what? Fear has torment. Okay, y'all still with me? 
Okay. He that feareth, oh, 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 is not made perfect in love. Is that in your Bible? Huh. Okay. Let me read 18 again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made. There's something with the embracing of God's love. If I allow fear to live in me, I have actually said that God's love has not been made perfect in me. In other words, I don't believe God can love me like that. I don't believe that God can love me unconditionally. There's got to be something there. Because if he loves me unconditionally, oh Lord, if he loves me unconditionally, then fear can't live in me. But if fear is living in me, something is rivaling and challenging God's love for me. Now I have to question, I'm not going to legalism, but I need you to hear me say this. Now I have to question, did I really fully receive God in me? Uh, no, no, no condemnation. I just need you to think about this. I'm not saying that you didn't receive God, but what I am saying is you have to at least look at it because how can fear and God live simultaneously inside of me, come on, and both have their impact on me? I just want you to think. Okay. Y'all still here, right? Okay, okay. I'm almost done for the day. Okay, I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. Okay. Bible says, perfect love casts out fear, right? The word for fear is the word phobos. <coughs> okay, phobia, you hear it. Phobos. Okay, so that means I have a phobia about something. I have fear of heights, which means I'm afraid of heights. The Bible says that fear hath torment. Everybody say torment. If you're writing, write the word torment. Okay. Now, torment is the word torque. T-O-R-Q-U-E. Torque. Those of you who are into cars understand torque. Okay. Torque is that force. It's a motorized force. Force that rotates. Okay. Torque is a a rotating force to prevent any type of stagnation or for the lack of turning. If there is something that needs to be turned, there is torque now, a force a rotating force that demands a turning. Okay. Okay. The word for that rotation is the word twist. 
okay? You all with me, right? It's the word twist, to twist. So it is a force that causes rotation or twisting. Now, when I am in fear, fear brings torment or torque or a twisting. Okay? It's a twisting that starts happening in me. And when this twisting comes, it works along and similar to what worry is. Worry is a twisting or a strangling of your mental faculties. When I am in fear, there's also that same type of twisting that's taking place. Why is it twisting? It is twisting to make sure that God is nowhere to be found. It grips you to the point where if we persist and allow fear to dwell and to live, it will keep twisting and rotating and turning until there is no room for God. So you will live in torment if fear dwells. Fear hath torment. The job of fear is to get you into a place of torque or twisting or turning or, 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 or torment. To torment is torture. It's living in torment. Torment, I need you to get this, I need you to hear this. Torment, I need you to get this image so you feel fear. Because I want to rid you of it so you can be free. Torment is what happens at the eternal judgment in the lake of fire. That means that there is constant affliction, fire burning without relief. Are you here? What am I doing? I want, to, I want to enlarge fear to the point that you don't want it. You, you will reject it every time it tries to raise its head up because it will. Living in this sin-cursed world gives fear an opportunity all the time. You and I just can't agree with them by creating a form. Doing okay? It has torment. Now, fear comes, watch this, because of a forthcoming final judgment or decision of condemnation. Okay, I need you to hear. Fear comes because of a forthcoming final judgment of decision of condemnation. But for a believer... Perfected love has eradicated fear. Romans 8. I got to close with this. Go to Romans 8 real quick. Romans 8. Romans 8. Mm, Freedom is coming. Freedom is on its way. Hallelujah. 
I feel the change taking place. The revolution is happening. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, look up towards heaven and say, Lord, let change begin in me. Hallelujah. Romans 8, verse 1 says, there is therefore now no what? Condemnation. To who? Them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin did what? Condemn sin. There was a final judgment made on sin when Christ came and died and rose again. Did you hear me? There was a final decision, a final judgment, a final justice given to sin. Everybody say final. Final. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. He gave it its final resting place. He read the rights over it. He took the power out of it. He ripped it up. He destroyed it. Here was what fear does. Fear lies to you and tells you don't believe that. It's hype. Fear tried to tell you that's a bunch of hype. It's not true. He did not do it. And we look at the pain of a situation. We look at the challenge of a situation and we agree. So you know what? I think you're right. And we let fear come in and Satan blows into that body that we created. Yeah. Yeah. Fear says sin is not just messed up. You just made a mistake. See, I told you. He said, Satan, fear, Satan, fear. One the same. <laughs> Tries to get you to disbelieve the finished work of Christ. And make you look at your mistake rather than Jesus Victory. Oh man, I feel like throwing this microphone. He tries to get you to look at what you did in your mistake to take your eyes off of what Christ did on the cross. And if he is successful, you will look at your mistake and then condemnation will come as if you're as if what you did has a different outcome. Now, when you move into fear, because we took the bait of Satan, he lied to us and we believed his lie. Now what happens is we have allowed fear now to stand in the same room with God. And it is as if God is not there. 
And if we allow fear to persist and stay there, there is this torment, there is this torture that takes place until there is no recognition of God anymore. And for a believer, that is detrimental to your spiritual health. I got to go. Is this too much? Paul says no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I've been set free from that old law of sin and death. I've been released into a new law. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Which made me free from the law of sin. Fear says that's not true. It's a hoax. That's what fear does. Fear, fear, fear will shoot you a pain. And you're like, oh. Here you walking along. And you trip. You fall. I have a lyric to another. I won't even bring it up. I'll bring it up next week. I have a song I, I wrote some years ago. Creating me a clean heart. It says, at the start of a new day, don't know what I'm going to face along the way. I'm going to stop there because I can't give you the rest. Next week, let me just give you this because I'm, I'm, I'm out of town time by 10 minutes now. Paul said there's no condemnation. Satan's job is to get the believer to doubt that Jesus finished the condemnation of sin on the cross through his unfailing love for us. And Satan wants us to accept his lie. Listen to this, and I'll pick it up from here. To accept his lie that the material world is the gauge for life. have to stop there we'll pick it up next week right there Satan wants us to think that the material world is the gauge for life 